We are continuing our month in February talking about becoming catalysts. And uh, today I want to talk about growth, because if we are a catalyst, we want to be people that grow, right? We want to be people that move on. And I actually looked up a little bit of information about growth and just have a listen to some of these facts, truths about the human body. Uh, maybe have a bit of a glance at the person next to you with this first one. A human's ears and nose never stop growing. Have a look, see if that's true. Any, any witnesses to that fact out there? Not one hand, very blah, one, one hand. Okay. Um, you produce two swimming pools of saliva in your lifetime. Two swimming pools worth. So keep going, keep producing, you're doing well. Uh, feet have 500,000 sweat glands, and in a day you may produce up to half a litre of sweat. Half a litre. Half a litre of sweat, that actually is the equivalent of a pint, if you, if you remember that. Like, it's like a pint of beer, a pint of sweat. Incredible. Uh, the linings in a person's stomach is replaced every four to five days, but get a load of this, to prevent it from digesting itself. All right, always growing. Which goes faster, fingernails or toenails? Yell it out. No, fingernails, of course, it's always fingernails. Fingernails grow faster. But you probably didn't know this, they grow faster on the hand that you write with. Did you know that? That's interesting. And more facts, they grow faster on your longest finger. Did you know that? I'm just telling you the facts, all right? I know you know there's a joke in that, but I'm moving on, all right? Um, humans spend five years of their life eating. Five years of your life, and you're going to eat three tons of food. Uh, the human body produces 70 billion cells per day but about that many die per day. But 70 billion. Uh, the skin of a human body regenerates about once a month and hair grows about 125.25 centimetres per month. Is that right, Jackie? Yeah, yeah. So, Jackie agreed with me is what I'm going with. And uh, listen to this. Every second your hair grows 0.0000048 centimetres. Can you feel it growing right now? It just happened. It just happened again. It just happened again. My point is, growth is normal, all right? It's happening all around us, all the time. One of the things I love about our everyday Catalyst cards is um, the fact that um, growth is a high value here at Catalyst. You know, 85% of us this year said... I want to grow in Christ-like values. That's actually an increase from the year before. So it's a hunger. It's something that we want. It means eight and a half out of ten want to grow. It also means that somebody in your row doesn't want to grow at the moment. Just give us a wave if that's you. <laughs> I always find those sort of stats interesting. But eight, out of, eight and a half out of ten want to grow into Christ-like values. Uh, later in this year, we're going to be doing a journey. We're actually going to walk through the book of Romans. Uh, really looking forward to that. Probably take about two months doing it. But we're going to look at how do we grow? What does the book of Romans say about that? But today, I just want to give a real quick snapshot on what growth is all about and what the Bible tells us is how we grow. As I do that, can you turn to the person next to you and just talk about five 
people or, or try and think of up to five people, maybe more, that have helped you grow in your life. If you're a follower of Christ, you might think spiritually, but if not, just people that have helped you grow in your life, maybe in your maturity or, or whatever it might be. Just think of five names or thereabouts and have a chat with each other about that. 30 seconds. So just rattle them off. Okay, how'd we go? I just gave you a little bit of time. Anybody, couldn't think of anybody. Nobody in their life has helped them grow. No zeros. Anybody only at one? Only at two? Three? Put your hand up if you're on three. There's a couple of hands. Fours? So everybody got five? Put your hand up if you've got five. Like the vast majority, right, got five. And here's the truth. We could probably go on and on, right? Of the people that have impacted our life, that have caused us to grow. And the point I'm making about all that is a real simple one. We grow best in relationships. It's just how human be beings are wired. We actually grow best in relationship. There's absolutely a need for solitude, a need for getting away and finding uh, our time one-on-one -on -one with God. Jesus demonstrates that. But it's the accountability and challenge of a group. It's in that place that we grow best. Here's a verse, I'm going to read it from the King James Version. It just has a word I love. Uh, Hebrews 10.24, it says, And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Let us consider one another to provoke. I love that word, to provoke. We have it in our vision statement. We want to provoke each other. Today, in a very real sense, we're here gathering, considering how to provoke each other onto love and good works. You know, I just spent some time on the beach in Byron Bay. Uh, it was my first time to the beaches in Byron Bay. Uh, if you can get a car park, those beaches are beautiful, right? If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. But they are, inc I, I love the beaches in Byron Bay, absolutely beautiful. And I, I would say I experienced something of God there. I experienced, you know, I sensed God in his creation, the birds and the waves, the kids having fun. But this is why we matter so much. I'll tell you something, it is very unlikely, I'm not saying impossible, but it's very unlikely you're going to be provoked on a beach to good works. See, when we're with each other is when we get provoked. We are a part of our growth with each other. Today, I'm hoping that you'll be provoked. Why? Because you've intentionally placed yourself in an environment where we can be provoked. You could be on a beach today, but you're not. And because of that, there's a good chance you're going to be challenged in something because you've come together with other people. But this corporate gathering, just a piece of the pie. We've said for years and years, our best spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships, most often in a group. When you look at the life of Jesus, you see Jesus certainly talked to vast crowds thousands of times. There is no doubt at all that Jesus could have had a mega church within weeks or months if he had just concentrated on it. A hundred thousand people and maybe he would have been in some ways more prominent in history if he'd done that. But he chose not to. He chose to have his avenue for growth 
happen walking along the streets with everyday men and women, challenging, provoking, discussing ideas, pointing things out. Sometimes he prodded and pricked people to the point where growth was eventuated in their life. And so we say, if that's how Jesus thinks growth happens best, then I think it's a pretty good model for us to follow, that we are important to each other. And this is true for this church. But here's the thing about growth with people. You can opt in or opt out. That's the truth. You will feel uncomfortable if you start to do a journey with people. You may wish that you went to the beach when you start connecting with people. But by being in a group, you are where God wants you to be. Here's the other thing I want to say about groups, though, is they've got to be intentional. I actually feel really stirred in my own spirit about this, is that we've got to be real about why we're gathering. There is nothing wrong with a group that just gathers for social or uh, community, to enjoy a nice meal together, to have a great laugh. But at the end of the day, that group shouldn't end there. Those things aren't bad, but the group's purpose ultimately as we're doing our journey, trying to work out what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, is to be intentional and say, we are here ultimately to grow spiritually together. Now, that's a challenge for us today, and here's why, and it's something a lot of you are thinking right now, we live in fast-paced world, right? We live in a world where it's really not always easy to gather with other people. But what I'm starting to see is creativity and intentionality even around that point because we know it's important. And so here's some of the things I'm starting to notice. Uh, groups are meeting at all sorts of different times. I meet with um, a fairly new believer in our church once a week before, before he goes to work. That's how we've worked it out. Uh, there's one group I've just heard that are starting to meet during the second service on a Sunday because they're a group of families. So they're in the first, but they meet during the second service. Uh, some of you might need to gather with a bunch of uh, blokes or women or whatever it might be at 6 o'clock in the morning or 5.30. Now that's going to have some pain associated with it. But with that comes the sense that I'm here to grow. Uh, family groups are coming up with this concept. Blokes meet one week, ladies the next meet, uh, next meeting, and then maybe on the Saturday we all do something together. So the point is it's not easy. We get that. But we're also saying it's a must if you want to be intentional, keep each other accountable in our spiritual growth. So that's what we aim at. That's the how. We grow best in groups. Real quick summary. Where I want to talk about now is what we aim at in those groups. When you look in the scriptures at how Jesus uh, or, or what we see in the Bible, you always see two things. You see vertical commands and you see horizontal commands. Nearly every command in the scripture is summed up in one of those two ways. In other words, something about loving God or horizontal is something about loving people. See it all the time. Maybe the greatest summary of this is Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Jesus is like, this is the summary of it all. Love God and love people. That's what Jesus says. If I was going to sum it all up, love God, love people. Now, what we see in the life of Jesus, who we really want to imitate, is that Jesus sticks to this one, but in his life, you see, he sort of splits this one a little bit, and that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the three areas in our life that we aim at if we want to walk a life of being a catalyst 
um, for others. And I want to say that I see three directions in the life of Jesus. I see up, I see in, and I see out. And what I love is this whole journey of doing a faith journey is not ultimately complicated if we simply aim at these three things in our life, up, in and out. Three words you're going to hear a little bit about uh, or a lot about, I think, in the coming years here at Catalyst. It's what we're aiming at. What are we doing? We're just simply aiming to work on our up relationship with God and I'm going to draw it like this. That's a cloud, by the way. Uh, Our in relationship with each other and I'll draw our out relationship with each other up in and out let's talk about up for a minute obviously this is the classical one it's really the one that we're probably most at ease with working at we want to work on our relationship with God and here's the truth every single one of us have got a journey and a story to tell I thought I'll share just one little thing that me and God are talking about at the moment and I'm just going to share it I, I heartily understand there are much more serious issues in the world than what I'm about to share but this is a question I'm been talking to God about at the moment about a week ago I said to God hey I really need to uh sell our caravan, our camper van. We, we're, we're trying to sell our caravan. And um, I just felt this prompting in that moment of God saying, you haven't prayed about that. You haven't talked to me about that. You haven't, you haven't even lifted that up. You haven't believed for anything to happen. Oh, it was a great little prompting. So even in that moment, I was driving home and I just felt a pr- that prompting and I prayed, God, can you do something about this whole situation? Can you move and, and make it happen? I kid you not, as I was driving down the road, I felt my phone vibrate in my pocket. I thought in my head, wouldn't it be amazing if that was related? Can you put your hand up if you think that would be amazing? That's amazing, right? That's not crazy. That's amazing. I get home, I pull it out. Not only is it totally related to the van, the person is making an offer to purchase the caravan like not not a can I come and see it they're saying I want to buy that caravan and this is the price and as the week goes on we agree to terms we set a date we set a time everything is sorted right and what's my lesson in that I'm like man God you can do incredible things you just prompt me and make this stuff happen but here's the end of the story uh the day before the person comes to pick up the van I get this simple text hi sorry we're going to pass on your van now Anybody else ever been in one of those situations? Because right now, I'm a little bit confused, me and God, as to what the heck that was all about, right? I mean, he prompts me, something amazing happens, I get this great thing happen, all week it seems like it's going to happen, but right at the end of the week, it doesn't happen. And I said to God, I told Jess this on Saturday or Friday, I said, I'm saying to God at the moment, I don't really understand that, God. I don't understand that part of that relationship. It prompt me to do that, and why did that not happen? And as I've really chewed it over, I don't have ultimately a very clear answer on it, except that I'd learned to keep trusting God. It's interesting in our personal Bible readings at the moment, we're reading about Joseph. Joseph went through incredible circumstances, but at the end of it, he says, God's got it all in control. So 
that's what I'm coming up with at the moment. And this is really all I'm talking about in our up relationship, these continual questions and back and forth that we have with God saying, God, I want to work this thing out. I want to get better at having a relationship with you. And of course, the ultimate goal is to be like him. Romans 8, 29 tells us that we want to be transformed into the likeness of God, into his likeness. You know, obedient disciples are always wanting to be like Jesus. Historian um, Ray Veneland, he makes this point. At the time of Jesus, they could have used a couple of different words uh, for the people that followed Jesus. One was student. That was a prevalent word. The other was disciple. The thing about a student, he says, is this. A student wanted to know what a rabbi knew. There was a lot of those sort of students. But a disciple wanted to be who their rabbi was. This is our goal as we work on our up relationship with Jesus. I'm telling you here today, there's plenty of us that know a lot about God. You can tell me the the concepts of the Bible, what should happen, what shouldn't happen. But the question is, are you like Jesus? Or are you working to be like Jesus? And we believe this happens in the best, uh, best in the context of a group. And I'll say it like this, the biblical model for church community is an authentic humility. That's so important. Healthy transparency that repeatedly points us back to the gospel through the word of God. So in our group, there's really two elements. There's the word and there's the spirit. I don't know if you notice this, but at the moment... There is so many different opinions in this world about how we're supposed to live and it's pretty easy to get confused. There's the left and the right, there's Trump, there's Hollywood, there's uh, Pauline Hanson, there's pro-life, pro-abortion, secular humanism, uh, counsellors. Everybody's got an opinion at the moment. It's really hard working out what is the right way to go. But what does 2 Timothy 4 tell us? For a time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That's a challenge. Well, the challenge is is that we, as hungry Bible-believing Christians, say, well, what does this say about my life? And I know there's going to be times when I struggle with the truth that I find in that as opposed to the truth that I find in other areas. The other area is the Spirit of God. Every group always is leading to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Another way you might say that is just uh, to Christ himself or the, or, or the gospel. What do I mean by this? An analogy, I touched on this a few weeks ago, is you can look at change in three different ways. The first one uh, is a bit like a powerboat. And you say, you know, a speedboat. You essentially say, well, how I'm going to change is I just get in that boat, I put my foot down, and that boat moves. God does it all in me. I don't have to do a thing. Some Christians have that sort of perception that is, well, it's up to God. He's going to do it or he's not going to do it. The other perception is the rowboat. The rowboat perception is, man, if I'm going to change, it is up to me totally. You know, I'm going to work so hard. I'm going to row that boat and I'm going to make it all happen. The trouble is that's exhausting and it normally just leads to guilt and, and despair because you can't change yourself. The real analogy is a sailboat. A sailboat is somebody that does everything they can. They position themselves. They get the the sails in the right place. They learn the art 
of looking where the wind is blowing and leaning into it. But they can't move a thing until the Spirit comes along, until that wind comes along. By the way, interestingly, in the Old Testament, the word for the Spirit of God is raka, which means wind. And there's something mysterious about the Spirit of God choosing when and where and how He'll change us, but we position ourselves for that change. So that's our up relationship, is what we want to see us work on. What I'd like you to do is just spend, I'm not even going to really pause, but if you rated yourself zero to ten on where you're at with God, what would you say at the moment? I mean, you might not count yourself a believer in Christ, that's fine. You might put yourself really down low. You might be sort of saying, man, it's around a six. But just avoid the temptation of just saying seven and, you know, that's the easy number, right? I don't really have to change. It's not too bad, not too good. Where where are you really at? Zero to ten in that relationship with God. Then we have our in deal. You know, when Jesus gave the great commandment, you can hardly split it. Scholars say when Jesus says, love God, love people, it's like he's virtually saying, love God and one that just is right alongside it that I can hardly stop breathing as I say it is love people. We cannot grow into full maturity unless we love God and love people. And we foster this relationship of the people that are on the journey with us. How do we do that? Here's the one we all know. We love being challenged by people. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Listen to Hebrews 3.12. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful and unbelieving heart that will get hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Goes on and says, but encourage each other as long as it's called today. So how do we avoid that hardened, messed up heart that chooses its own direction? It's like every single day, challenge each other, encourage each other, so that that doesn't happen. So learning to love each other has to be part of our growth. A lot of Christians love camping here, talking about, oh, I'm just just me and God, but I don't like hanging out with other people because they challenge me and they frustrate me and they annoy me. You know what? I'll say this. One thing that we do for each other is inspire each other and provoke each other. Here's the other thing that we do for each other. We challenge each other to live because sometimes we frustrate each other. You know, sometimes we annoy each other. Sometimes it's like, I don't know that I like what you just said or, or <clears throat> I don't like the fact that, you know, your social habits aren't up to my standard. And have you ever wondered about that person that might be in your connect group or associated to you? Like, what? I don't get, why is that person around my life? I'm telling you, I have a great growing revelation. They're there to help you grow in love, Right? And by the way, in case you think that person doesn't exist in your connect group, that person probably is you. All right, I'm just saying. By the way, we're all that person sometimes. We're all the person that annoys somebody else. And so many of us retreat back to this and God says, that's not going to cut it. I make it abundantly clear. You grow up and you grow in with each other. You can withdraw all you like, but you won't grow into the maturity that you have. Have a look at Romans 12, 9 to 21. Um, oh, sorry, I skipped that scripture, so go on to the next one. Romans 12, 9 to 21. Um, Be devoted to one another, is what it says in this passage. Incredible amount of things 
Uh, Honour one another above yourself. Share with the Lord's people that are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Don't be proud. Don't be conceited. Where possible, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge. All of that is in one passage of Scripture and it's all talking about how we relate with each other. By the way, that is other believers. It's this community of people that we have with each other. All of this helps us grow. I heard a great quote this week. It was just up on the screen. Sometimes you have to love people until you can like them. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. You know, it's so true. Sometimes you've got to love people until you can like them. So where would you rate yourself on in? So you've already done up. Zero to ten. Where are you at with loving people and pushing through the problem and the difficulty that we have with each other at times? Where are you at? How are you going being challenged by people? You know, in our prayer meeting this morning, Scott Donald just had a great little thought. He just felt, felt to say from God, and he said it wasn't just for out there, by the way. He said, I feel there's some people with chinks in your armour and God's saying, hey, this is a season for sorting that out. Don't let that weak area take you down. And that was a great, great, great point. That's what we do with each other. We challenge each other. We provoke each other on. So here's the last thing, the out relationship. We see Jesus 100% loving God in the up relationship, challenging in the in and working on the in relationship with disciples. But no doubt about it, ultimately Jesus worked on the out relationship in his own life and in challenging the people around him. Up, in and out. Here's the truth. I reckon we love this one. We'll work with that one. But this one makes us feel a bit uncomfortable from time to time, right? But that's part of the direction that God is trying to lead us. So where do you stand on that? Every one of our relationships ultimately finds its way outward. That's what our mission is. Connect, grow, we serve and we go. I think a scripture that covers it really well is Matthew 14, 11. And Jesus says this. He says, follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. I just see all the parts happening there. Follow me, that's our part. There's an obedience and a trust involved in that. But I will make you, that's the spirit of God working, right? That's his gospel. That's what Christ has done. Fishers of men. It's always, always going to make an outward um, working in the life of people. It's going to change other people. So we join Jesus on the mission that he's got for reaching this lost and hurting world. You know, when we spend time with Jesus and when we're challenged by other people, suddenly our things that mattered so much, I think, start to change or they should be changing. You know, the passions, uh, the, the, the drives for love uh, of possessions or fame or power or prestige or acceptance... These things just aren't as important anymore because they're changed, but they are always changing us for a purpose to reach out. 2 Corinthians 5.15, he died for all, but those who live no longer live for themselves, but live for him. And that passage goes on and emphasizes this point that we live for others. Our mission is not simply to be here at church on a Sunday, to be nice people, to cram in a lot of knowledge, or even to give money to other people that do the job. But it's for every single one of us to be about the mission that God has for their life. 
Now again, that's a challenge. In our groups this year, we want to emphasize this. Uh, we've been doing well with that. We've been not doing too bad in in, but we want to move to saying every group is going to be some time, some point throughout the year or multiple points working on what are we doing together or how are we challenging ourselves to live an outward focused faith. Now again, you know, you don't need to be highly stressed about that. We're going to talk about it on Connect Group uh, Leaders Training on the first Sunday in March at five o'clock. But it doesn't mean that you've got to necessarily do things that are incredibly out of your comfort zone. But what is your step as a group? Maybe once a month you're just walking the, the streets and looking for opportunities. Maybe you're just praying. Maybe you're picking up rubbish in your neighbourhood. Maybe you're joining in with Meals on Wheels. Maybe you're doing a, a garage sale and selling for Gateway Children's Fund. That'll be up to your group to work out. An option Jess and I are working out this year, we want to gather a group of like-minded people. Just our challenge is that we want to bless three people every single week. Sounds simple, I think that'll be a challenge. Three people every single week. Because we're just trying to say, well, how do we grow in that challenge of being Christ-like in our faith so that'll be our challenge and the group will hold each other accountable to that challenge point is we're on this journey together and while these two are I think the one we love the one we can cope with the one that's a bit more stretching you don't get a pass mark on the ones that are a little bit more difficult if we want to grow into fullness of faith our relationships our directions need to be up in and out and we do that best in the context of a group. By the way, where would you rate yourself? How are you going with that? Zero to ten. What number would you say? Here's a simple step for out. Every one of us can be thinking about this Alpha series that we've got coming up. I've heard two stories of people, I love hearing these stories, two stories of invites this week. I'm sure there's more that have happened. One story was uh, outright rejection. No, not interested. No problem. Honestly, no problem. The other story was a, a shock. Yes, I'd love to come to that. But what are your stories? Andon was talking about it. You know, who have you been talking with about faith? You know, our church is just doing something that talks about what faith is all about. You know, if you've wondered about that, have your eyes and your ears open. Who can you invite? We're going to hand out some pens right now, uh, if that can start up. What I'd love you to do is grab that little card that's on your seat. And uh, just think right now, who is it that you could invite along to Alpha? Again, that's totally outside of your, your sphere. You wouldn't call yourself a believer. That's fine. Just, just let that, you know, it's not for you. But have a look at that card and right now, just write down, here's somebody, my, my mother or my brother or my neighbour or a work colleague. I could be praying about this person and just put that person's name down. And... Uh, be ready. Be prayerful. Now I'm going to invite um, Pastor Philip uh, to come on up, my dad. And uh, he's going to pray with us together on this simple out step. We're going to hold on to these cards and uh, we're going to believe together uh, that this moment matters. So if uh, you could come on up, everybody just written, write down a couple of names if you want. That's no problem. I think some of the most exciting times in the history of this church 
have been those seasons where we've done something very intentional to reach out to people who are outside of faith. I can think back over 25 years now of uh, my association here in Ipswich with this church and on at least uh, three previous occasions, every time the church got very intentional about this. There was a lift in excitement. There was a engagement with uh, unchurched people that uh, we hadn't previously had. And most of all, we saw people actually come to faith. And they were great days. And I believe that uh, that's what this season can be too. And so this is a great opportunity for us uh, to be able to invite somebody into this Alpha series and travel towards a faith decision. You know, some of you might be thinking, as Pastor Carl just said, <coughs> this is a bit hard. Um, I don't even know somebody. Um, and I've been thinking about this over the last few days. I've been out of touch with um, people outside of faith for quite a period. But um, just this morning, God put somebody on my heart again, somebody who has been in my life on and off for about 60 years. And um, I sent them an email just to break the ice and I'm waiting to see what kind of response I get. But it's my intention uh, to ask this guy who's pretty cynical and pretty crusty uh, to just think again and uh, come along and try Alpha. So if you've got a card in your hand and you've written a name on it, why don't you just hold that card in your hand right now? And can I say this also, if you haven't got a name on your card, would you still hold it? Because I'm going to pray that God would just do something, bring a name to mind, a person to mind, and uh, over the next week or so, in the lead up to Alpha, that uh, you'll be able to put a name on this, and we'll be able to pray together and see a miracle take place in somebody's life. So let's pray together. Father, we're so thankful this morning for this opportunity. It's not an opportunity to grow a church. It's an opportunity to see a life transformed. And so we think of these names. We hold these names up before you. I hold the name of Lionel before you. And I pray in the name of Jesus that you will do something in his heart, that you would prepare his heart even for an invitation to come. And then I pray also for the names that are on the cards, every name representing a life, every name representing a story. Lord, I pray that as we hold these hands, these cards in our hands, there would be a real surge of faith and confidence that you're going to do something. And Lord, I pray that you would overcome that reticence within us all to make the ask, that you'd cause courage to rise up, boldness to rise up, that we would dare to ask and invite for the sake of your glory. And then I pray also for those who don't have a name on the card at the moment. Lord, there is a name out there for them. There is a name, and I pray that you bring it to mind yeah. and then work a process in that circumstance that will give them the opportunity to make an invite yeah. as well. Lord, your word tells us that you know 
how many hairs are in our heads. Your word tells us that when a sparrow falls to earth, you know about it. So Lord, you know every name that's represented here. And we just pray that you would breathe on this great venture and that we will see precious lives transformed for eternity. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know.